0: Please listen carefully. Hey everybody, so this is a podcast that I recorded with Nathan Holiday back in April, uh, and we are releasing it now. Nathan is the founder of Level Method. Our gym, Kinda Fitness, uses Level Method to basically provide a roadmap for people in terms of where their fitness is currently and where they can go and what to be working on. So we really love the Level Method. Uh, I had Nathan on the podcast um, before to talk about the Level Method, but this is actually a podcast more about productivity and workflow. So Nathan is a geek for... Uh, these topics, and I wanted to get him on and ask him questions about his um, workflow, how he stays productive, how he organizes things, including his schedule and his weeks, and basically take a deep dive into his routines. So um, if you ever had listened to uh, Tim Ferriss's podcast about, you know, morning routines and and things of that nature, then this is up your alley. Um, We talk about All sorts of things going from uh, his deep work days to morning routines, uh, biometric trackers, uh, and how he captures all this information and how he stays organized. Uh, So without further ado, here is Nathan Holiday. All right, guys. So uh, we have Nathan Holiday back on the podcast. And the last time we talked, Nathan, was December of 2019. Uh, I don't think either of us knew that a pandemic was coming a few months uh, after that, but We were, kind of for Kana Fitness, we were a couple months into using Level Method, so I wanted to get you on to talk about that. So if people are interested in learning more about Level Method, I would definitely go back to the archives and listen to that. But at the end of that episode, just from seeing you on social media talk about workflow, productivity, I actually asked you for a productivity tip at the end of that last episode that we did. And you talked about the Pomodoro technique. Um, You said that being productive is being productive, and the best way to do that is to control the environment you're in. Mm-hmm. So, can you just quickly recap what Pomodoro technique is, and then also um, talk about how that, you know, controlling your environment helps people be more productive?
1: Yeah. So, uh, Pomodoros is essentially a man a, a way of managing your own time by quantifying units. Of time. That's a really nerdy way. I mean, it's a, it's sort of a, uh, a way of just controlling things that are normally not very controllable. Um, and so Pomodoro technique is 25 minutes, five minutes off. That's like historically what it is. But the concept uh, can just be any amount of time or block time where it's dedicated to, to one thing only, as opposed to being distracted by a bunch of things because you can't get more productive than Actually, doing work. Uh, And then when it comes to environment, um, the, you know, distractions are a big, a big problem for a lot of people. Uh, And so being able to extract yourself to a place that you aren't, or you have some sort of indicator that you're in work mode. You know, if you have a door, you put something on the door, the door is closed. There's some sort of outside way to let other people know that you're in your work mode so that you can really stay focused on that and you know structuring other things within the environment having the things that you need close to you uh, being organized in a way where you're not spending a an ex, you know an, an extra amount of time looking for things that you shouldn't have to look for and this is what got me down that the reason I'm like how I am now is because naturally I'm the opposite way. So I'm messy and I have, you know, just naturally, I don't, I don't have my stuff organized. Like when I was in high school, you know, my backpack would be full of crap, like just, you know, there would be no organization. And so you would, I just run into these issues where I'd be finding myself wasting all sorts of time. And when you're thinking about being more productive, one of the most important things is to not lose time because Uh, time is one of the things in life that that it is truly a zero sum game. Like once you lose your time, it's never coming back. And if you waste your time on something, as opposed to doing something important, it's going to take you twice as long to get you where you would have been if you just started with the right thing to start with. Right. So it's uh, those two concepts, controlling time with Pomodoros is a really a solid one. And then controlling your environment in some way. So you don't, you know, waste a bunch of time looking for stuff that you should have right there.
0: On your uh, own podcast, Gym Mastery uh, podcast for Level Method, you had mentioned that um, you were a competitive athlete, and you had a. It sounded like a coach, maybe that had you document a bunch of things. So it sounds like because it sounds like you're naturally not as uh, organized as you may want to be, but that meant you had to implement systems to Mm -hmm. keep track of things and to get productive. So. Uh, can you talk about that? Like, you know, how you grew up, where you grew up, I know you were in the army at one point and then you got into CrossFit and you were coaching. So maybe talk about that evolution, but, you know, kind of in the lens of productivity and getting things done.
1: Yeah. Like I've, my whole life, I've sort of wanted to have my, my stuff together. Why I wanted to be productive and I wanted to do, but I would procrastinate things until the last minute I got, in all through high school, I had mainly C's. I would say, like I was a, a solid C student. I just didn't. I wouldn't engage. I would. Re, I read a lot on my own, but I never really engaged with school. And I couldn't get into the structure of things. But I was always discipline oriented. I was always like, I want things to be better. Like, how do I get it all together? And that's one of the big reasons I joined the army. Was like, okay, I'm going to get some structure. It's going to help me. There's a massive adventure. I'd be able to go on this thing. And what ended up happening was for, I was in for five years. I was demoted twice because I I just rebelled off of every possible (laughs) structure, right? It took me a long time. It took me four years before I, I started to understand the game. And I started to get my stuff together. Like I started to figure things out. And that laid sort of this this little foundation of having a, you know, basically just a foundation. And then I got out of the army, started uh, as an athlete, really uh, in the, in the military, I was really obsessed with getting big, right. I wanted to be bigger. I wanted to be stronger. So I would, and I was, I'm, you know, on the, on the thin side, naturally, sort of like a hard gainer, like the classic hard gainer. So I got all into the hard gainer styles of tra- training, which was abbreviated Training really heavy, and you know, trying to get bigger, bigger, bigger. I get out of the army. I'm exposed to CrossFit, and then my mind just explodes because it's like I want to be good at all of this stuff. I would see these guys that were strong and they could run, and it just totally appealed to me. So I went down this pipe of you know, athlete and coaching. uh, But I again didn't have any organization. I I would just sort of waste a lot of time. My whole obsession was fitness. That was just my personal gaining of fitness of me making myself better totally putting all my eggs in this one basket of of athlete without ever really thinking about what the future was going to hold like what are you going to do with you know there's one guy who makes enough money to live on CrossFit right Right. so it's like I'm going down this path trying to figure it out start coaching get a little bit more sort of knowledge of fitness and then uh, opened my gym up with a partner uh, in 2012 after I, I did another business uh, w- called the Next Level Invitational with Lamar Smith. Uh, and when I went into that business, I had zero clue about how to do anything. I have like a distinct memory of Lamar. He, w- I think Lamar is probably 10 years around, maybe eight or six or eight or 10 years older than me, maybe. Uh, And he was in, in the mode of his life where he was like getting all this stuff done, like entrepreneur style, like going, setting up venues and doing all this sort of stuff. And I'm sitting there like, have no clue how to do anything. And I just remember thinking like, how do you know what to do? Like, how do you know what to do every day? Like, what are your, what's your time being spent doing? And it was just this really, you know, I look back on it and I totally know what it's like to just sort of be lost uh, and so I go down this business st- this business path, open up the gym, and then I'm the same way in the gym environment for about mm, three years or so, but bo- because I had the gym with a partner for two years. My Sean Buck was my partner, also a guy named Mike Devaney who was with us for a couple of years. Uh, me and Mike were like athletes, we didn't do any work. And Sean was like the professional who took on all the load. And so like, I would tr- work out and then sort of watch TV, like Netflix, I was probably watching Office or something. And just going through this whole, this whole process of not doing anything and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Then started going to school, uh, my partners left the business. So then it was just me, Um, I basically stopped making any money, all the, you know, it was all on me, I had no systems in place. So I just slowly dwindled all of my money. I went like $18,000 in debt, and on credit cards. And then I I went into this super minimalist path where it's like, I just simplified my whole life, because I couldn't, I couldn't get traction. So I'm like, well, I guess I just got to get rid of everything. So I just got rid of everything really simplified. And then from that base point, Started sort of getting my skills together. Um, and in 2017 or so is when um, I finally reached the lowest point of being overwhelmed constantly, you know, just not being able to do anything that I wanted to do. I would not know what to do every day. I'd, you know, I'd work on something and I'd, I'd just go down some rabbit hole and spend the whole day on this thing and then it ended up not even mattering. Like just this, this, spinning of my wheels. And I was exposed to GTD concepts, which is getting things done and uh, just the idea of a system. But anybody who's ever been exposed to that methodology knows that it is not easy to implement. It is really hard. So the pain level has to be quite high. And this is something with everyone I've ever worked with uh, on productivity because people like, over time, I'm interested in it. So I work with people within the business or whatever. And the, the need has to be there, right? There has to be enough pain for someone to be like, okay, that's it. I'm definitely doing it. Same thing like this disgust point in fitness. Like, mm-hmm. I, I have a memory when I was in the army, I was probably 19. And we were in the barracks. And I, like, I had lifted weights a little bit, but I was a skinny guy. And we were like scrubbing this, the, the sinks and the toilets and the ground. We're all scrubbing this. And it's a bunch of dudes. I was in the infantry. So just a bunch of dudes. We have our shirts off and stuff. And I'm like scrubbing this thing. And then I like look up and I see this reflection of my like skinny, weak body. And I'm like, okay, that's it. And then from that day forward, I never stopped lifting weights. Like I, I walked to the, every single day from then on because it was like this this point of disgust. And I had that same point happen to me when I was uh, in the gym. I had a, a member uh, quit and I was just super stressed. And and I dr- ended up driving a- off into a, a place at a park. And I was sitting there with my journal that I had tried to get in place, my freaking journal for 10 years. Like, you know how most people, anybody who's ever tried to keep a journal, you know it's up and down, up and down, mm-hmm, up and down. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing that. I had like five or six journals, you know, a quarter of the way filled a couple of pages here and there. And I I took my journal, I went there and I like made the decision in that moment, like, okay, I'm going to do it. So then I never from that point on never stopped doing my journal. And then I built my system and every week, you know, revisiting the system ideas and slowly starting to get it together. And now people look you know I, I from the outside people are like oh you're so disciplined oh well, not that i'm not really like that it's just that's the perception and that that perception came from me being almost militant about these certain fundamental disciplines that need to be in place and if they're not in place you're going to start to swivel it's going to slowly going to get some speed wobbles and then everything's going to fall apart um and that i went through that many times so that's sort of like The reason I am how I am now is because, first of all, there's not a possibility in hell that I would be able to get the stuff that I get done now without a system. Not even possible. Um, And I just have a a natural predisposition to sort of being a little kind of messy and not organized. So now I've like sort of hyper gone on the the other end of the spectrum.
0: Did I hear that you were living in your gym as well at that point?
1: Yeah, I lived in my gym uh, for a couple years, um, probably from 2013 to 15 or something like that. I also had an RV. I, when I went through my minimalist phase, um, I was reading all sorts of Walden Pond and like all this, you know, the, the, all these sorts of like living on your own. And I was going through big time stoicism, reading a lot about stoicism. And, and so I got rid of everything and then bought this little RV. And so I lived in my gym for a while, and then I ended up getting this RV, and then lived in the back of my gym, uh, in the van for a while. But it was—I had a shower in the in the gym, so it, it worked out, even though it was an illegal shower. But I, it was still in there.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I, when people come in for intros, uh, or even internally with our staff, you know, I say the the pain of the change because people hate change generally, or they're scared of it, they're intimidated by it. So the pain of that change. Uh, needs to be less than the pain of staying the same, right? Or the pain of staying the same needs to be greater than the pain of the actual change going through. Um, Especially when people join a a new lifestyle, like joining our gym or something like that. Um, So it sounds like it was both some influences from what you're reading, but also just the fact that you weren't making any money. Like you had to make this work to survive, to to literally survive. And that's why this kind of all kicked off. And now you're at a point where, like today you said that, you know, Wednesdays are your meeting days. So can you talk about that? How, you know, or maybe go over like a a weekly um, format that you have set up. Like if Wednesdays are your meeting days, you know, what's Monday, what's Tuesday, what's, what are the rest of your days look like?
1: Yeah. So um, this is something unique to professionals who control their own time or entrepreneurs who control their own own time for the most part. So a, a lot of what I have built Uh, is my own structures, because in the entrepreneurial sort of world, it's highly unstructured, right? So I've put these things in place simply to give myself a little bit of corral. So I'm corralling like items together, batching together. So Monday mornings and Wednesdays and Friday mornings are dedicated to meetings, or or they, they, they have the possibility of having meetings. So on my calendar I leave them open until I'm planning my week and then I fill them in with dedicated work blocks if th- there are no meetings. My Tuesdays and Thursdays are dedicated deep work days. Th- the concept of deep work days <clears throat> came from Cal Newport. Cal Newport. Yeah. yeah, and it's just focusing on one thing for long periods of time uh and project work it started as project work for me where it's like I know I have these things that I need to do and I need to put a lot of time into them. I don't, don't want to have to be task switching between meeting with a bunch of people. I want to be able to like it's 7am and I know that my whole day is open dedicated to projects. Um, and it took a long time for me to do that. So, you know, Pomodoros are a fundamental foundational discipline building like practice. If so, if you, can easily do long blocks of work and dedicated blocks. You don't really need Pomodoros. But where I started from, hyper distracted and like, I would be popping over to all sorts of things. The Pomodoro really puts things down into this manageable time block, 25 minutes. And then for five minutes, you can do whatever you want. And when you go through this, these iterations, it requires discipline, but you build the muscle of being able to focus and focus and focus. And so then over the course of, uh, you know, a year, a couple of years, I still do Pomodoros for certain types of work, but for my block work, I don't really do Pomodoros. It's just focused, dedicated stuff. But um, at first, anybody who's thinking like, well, how do I, do I, I can't do a full block day or whatever. You can then just shrink it into a couple Pomodoros here and there, or a half day of deep work or uh, block time, which is in the, in the beginning of your week, you look for any open available space, and you put in an hour or two hours for one of your most important projects, and then it's treated as though it is a you know it's a it's a meeting it, you you can't move it around it's scheduled on the calendar you can't get out of it so um, Saturdays sometimes a half day on Saturdays Sundays I try to keep uh, I leave uh, no work on Sundays, but I do planning on Sundays, which is um, just high level looking at everything sort of stuff where you pull yourself out of the day-to-day grind. Um, and this has also been a, you know, each one of these is a little mini practice uh, that it, that it requires repetitions. It's the same way as with an exercise or anything. It's like anybody who's done a strength cycle knows when you do a strength cycle, you got what, 12 weeks or however many weeks you're doing, you're touching a certain movement and then after a certain amount of sessions, you got a good idea of what you're c- capable of. You got a c- good one to two rep range idea, and so it's like you go into it and you know I'm, I put five pounds if you're doing like a progressively loaded thing, five pounds or ten pounds, and it's just enough, right? And you know that that ability to make the distinctions over time is the same thing that happens with this in, in any of the any, any of the productive sort of muscle groups. It's like okay, I'm getting better, better, better. I'm doing my plans better, better, better. It just takes repetitions. And you get distinctions over time that you can't get in any other way. You can't really skip that part. It's, you've got to do it. It's the only way.
0: Yep. Do you have a morning routine?
1: Uh, yeah. my I've kept the same morning routine for a long time. This was about the same time back three years ago. Meditation was the most important thing for me. So there are a number of things out there that give you, uh, different methods, right? So you got like the miracle morning, which is, uh, I think it's, it's five or six things. I, I can't do five or six things. I burn myself out if I'm doing five or six things, I got 10 minutes of this and 10 minutes of this. And I've done that. Like I've, I've done every single kind of thing, but the one thing I've always made sure to keep is the the meditation first thing between five and thirty minutes. I did thirty minutes every day for a couple of years, um, where it was like this is what I will do no matter what. But then as stu- as, st- as life starts to get a little more crazy, there's you know I- I've become a little bit more lenient. So I at least do five minutes, but m- on average it's fifteen to twenty minutes. And it's just I I, I play with all sorts of different kinds of meditation. It doesn't really matter what you do. It's just the that dedicated time that sort of removes you from just immediately diving into your day. Um, I also uh, study Chinese. This is something I started doing a couple years ago, and I put uh, originally it was a thirty-minute session in the morning. Also, and so it was like this hour-long marathon fest of like thirty minutes of meditation and thirty minutes of study. And I, it's like you can maintain those things, and it depends on what you're what, what you're doing. Whatever the study that you want to do is sort of dedicated to something specific. Um, but those are really my two things. Recently, I've been putting my my Chinese stuff at night. It's very simple i I, I do a, a thing called Mandarin Blueprint, which is a it's a very systems oriented way of learning the language, and it's very simple. I do my little cards it's it's there's no real, but it's just whatever it is it, it should be a dedicated part of the time in the morning.
0: For the meditation, is that guided mm-hmm. through an app or is this something that you've just practiced enough that you'll you'll just sit there and are you are you laying in bed like when you wake up, do you go do your morning stuff and then do the, your meditation? Like what are, what's uh, the nitty gritty details?
1: It's, it's always right out of bed. Um, I go and I sit, I have a, a chair here it's like a It's like a lazy boy. Uh, and I sit cross-legged up on the chair. I have a meditation pillow too. And I've, I've, I went through like six months of trying to force myself to sit on the meditation pillow. <laughs> uh, but I just sort of defaulted back to, the, to what I do it, the most comfortable way, uh, which is just a, on a nice seated, you know, couch-like thing where I'm not, I'm not uncomfortable. I just want to be focused on the meditation. Um, And the kind of meditation, there's a, there's a handful of different things I do. um, And they, they, it does, it it sometimes rotates. So I do a, a simple form of Tai Chi, which is actually, it's a standing meditation that comes, it's a very simple form of it, uh, which is just like a 15 minute routine that goes through some things. Um, that I probably do that maybe one every ten times, uh, and then I have if you guys if any you guys know Tony Robbins he has a um, a priming exercise in the morning that he teaches in his like all of his events and it's a it's a set series of things that includes like a gratitude thing uh, some visualization uh, just some, like l- looking at what you want to get done for the day. And now depending on the day, if I got a real heavy day coming and it's there's a lot of stuff I got to be doing, I'll do that priming in the morning. So I'm just sort of like ready to go. It's sort of like a little tool to keep me, you know, it's, it's great stuff. Um, and then the concentrated meditation, which is the other one that I do, which is the seated one, I do majority of the time, probably, you know, seven out of 10 times, I'm doing a a just a very solid concentration meditation because I look at concentration like a skill, uh, and it, so I, it's just focusing on one thing. Doesn't matter what it is, but you you keep your mind like like a muscle clenched on a single idea or a single point or whatever it is. Uh, breathing where you're just focused, and um, I do that on my deep work days because I feel like it it gets my mind in line for focusing for long periods of time. And so it's just like sort of a, like a warm up almost. Hmm.
0: What about workouts? Um, do you have a workout routine? Do you always work out on certain days, certain times? Uh, what, what does that look like?
1: Yeah. So, um, I, I, I have two stretch sessions only per week on Wednesdays and Saturdays. So those are, uh, 45 minute gymnastic strength bodies. If anybody knows those, he has two, a front split and a side split. It is brutal. And I've been doing that for about a year and a half. Every every day or Wednesday and Saturday, just like clockwork, getting it in. It's a, it's a walks you through it. He tells you what movements to go into and, and all that sort of stuff. So it's as simple as possible. I'm not very flexible, so it's like one of those things. At least I'm I wasn't, and I'm getting much more flexible. But it's just about those dedicated slots. And then on the other days, I just have a template. So. Um, I have like uh, lower body pushing on Mondays just like squats, some variation of squats I have upper body pushing um, I do uh, I do a lot of uh, sort of core balancing gymna- based on gymnastic strength training uh, that's thrown in throughout but <clears throat> I work out every every day except Sunday or at least there's I wouldn't say a workout but there's dedicated body time every day except Sunday which is, I, I will still usually do some sort of mobility or something on Sunday, like a, a nice long mobility piece where you're, you know, have a lacrosse ball or something like that. So it's um, my t- training's totally changed over the years. Uh, and it's, but I I've always liked templates because again, the reason templates are so awesome is that you have like things on certain days and you can start to make distinctions. Distinctions are the name of the game. If you want to get better at anything, You got to be able to make distinctions in order to make distinctions. You need to be touching it regularly. And the longer you can do that, the better you get at that thing. And so like for my Chinese and my gym, my flexibility training, both of those things are super long-term. It's like, I'm not looking to be able to master this in a year. It's like, I got a 10 year plan and the game then becomes, never stop, right? Just keep it going. Make sure that you're connected to why it's important. Whatever the thing is that anybody does, it's got to be connected to why it's important, and you just steadily do it and you will get better. you know it's just a, that's the way it is.
0: Hmm. where Where did that idea of distinctions come from because i haven't I haven't really heard that before. <clears throat> but
1: um, I don't know I, it, it's It's something that I've found in my own learning that it, it's like I sit with ideas that I don't really understand for a long time. That's kind of how the level method was built is like the level method. It was trying to figure out fitness. It's like, good luck. (laughs) It's going to take a long time. And so it's like you sit sit with like this mild state of confusion for long periods of time and like it's not working. And then you start to make distinctions. And so it's just something that like I've noticed that theme in my life where it sometimes takes me a long time to really get something but it's like those aha moments where you're like, "Oh, and that's what the distinctions are, where you're like, mm. from then on out now you can you you have new knowledge, you have new experience, and that is way more valuable than simply like learning something. It's like you have this this experience to draw on and to think about uh and it's it's universal, it's like repetition is the mother of skill in order to get the skill, you've got to do the reps. And what's giving you the skill from the reps? Like, great, I'm doing the reps. But you do have like natural, like where your body learns muscle memory and that sort of thing. And that is a real thing. But you also have distinctions, which can only come from as you're doing it, you're thinking about what's different about this time and why is it different? And this is like the 10,000 hour rule. When you look at that, Uh uh there's, they, it's a great concept, but it's much different if you're doing focused distinction practice work versus rote movement, right? Mm-hmm. So it, you can accelerate that 10,000 hours for sure if it's like a leverage, right? You're like thinking about certain things and you can accelerate the the learning if you're totally engaged. Um, so I'm not quite sure. It's like kind of a combination of a lot of things, uh, a lot yeah. of different well, philosophies, I guess. <laughs>
0: Well, it also sounds like maybe at first, just as a beginner, you need to go through those rote repetitions just to get in the routine of it. And then the more advanced you become, you're able to make those distinctions because you have the experience, right? You're not going to make those distinctions as a beginner because you simply have no experience doing whatever that is. But rep after rep, you're going to see the fine details and notice things that you wouldn't otherwise as a beginner.
1: Yeah and what's interesting about that is you got it you have it on a micro and a macro scale right so you've got like the individual distinctions between this the things but the more you do that the better your idea of the global is and then what's good within the world of the whatever you're talking about and where should i put the time so you look at fitness and it's like you can be you can be doing some sort of kind of training and you can be making distinctions in that training but is that the kind of training you should do? Well, you don't know that unless you have a world view and you have like a big picture of the whole thing. And then you can be like, oh yeah, okay. Out of all this stuff, I know that this is the best thing. And then you go into that world and then you make distinctions in that world. And that's how you become, you know, a superhuman. It's like, that's really the thing is like, how do you choose requires time. And if you can find people have done the thinking before you and learn from them it's a it's a huge accelerator but then you got to figure out how do you know who to listen to right Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. that's the next thing is it's it's uh that's the game is like trying to find really smart people who've done a lot of thinking for you you trust them and then making distinction that's why fitness when you look at good coaches why it's so important to find good coaches who have done that sort of thinking they're not going to lead you down some crappy way but at the same time, you can't skip out on doing the work yourself. Once you're, you've found the good thing, then you've got to make those distinctions in that world yourself. Nobody else can do that for you.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you still own the, the gym?
1: No. We, um, so we basically merged the gym with another gym that was local to me in uh, Lake Forest. Uh, and then I, I had a life plan. Part of my life plan was to move to New Mexico and get a house here. And so when I mapped out that plan, I had the gym. So it was this big process of trying to morph reality into figuring out how this was going to happen and Corona happened and all that. So I don't own it anymore, but um, still doing a lot with gyms.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, obviously. Uh, and are you, you're in New Mexico right now? Yeah. Okay. So you, you made it happen. Awesome. Um, let's talk about life plans. So are you someone who does like 10, 20 year visions, vision boards, goals? Um, you know, what does that look like for you? Are you, are you looking 20, 30 years out? Um, or do you have like just a bucket list of things? Uh, and whenever you get it done, you'll get it done. Uh, how do you, how do you plan long-term or do you? So
1: Yeah, I do. This is a, a, a very, uh, this is another world that can just kind of give a lots of confusion the number one thing is for anybody is defining what what you want in life like what's the big result what am i looking to do what do i want to do and so you might be like i want to be a billionaire okay so but wh- wh- like how does that look so in 20 years you know i might have financial goals i might want to do xyz or travel here or do these sorts of things but really it comes down to like within one to five years generally. And you're just sort of mapping out, like if you go out further, you can give these big goals, but it still isn't really that tangible. And so I spent a lot of time trying to figure out um, how to get uh, traction in the different areas of my life before I realized that there there were areas. I just kind of was chaotically going around and I'd get interested in one thing and I would be going down this pathway, but then everything else would fall apart in my life. Or I'd be you know, hyper-focused on one thing and then I'd forget about all these other things and I'd come back to them and everything would be derailed. So it, it, how do you juggle everything and how do you know what you're doing? And it comes down to everybody has universes. So a universe would be like a big, big area within your life. So like in general terms, you have like your professional universe and you have your personal universe. Personal universe uh, is like, you know, your personal life. What are you doing with your actual life? Then you have your business or your job or whatever it is. Now, within each one of those universes, you have uh, areas, important areas that need to be thought about. And everybody's a little bit different, but you need to define those areas and what they are. And then you've got to have a, a have a specific, clear understanding of what you want in those areas. All this stuff is a lot of work. It's really uncomfortable to do. And very few people actually do it, because specifically because it forces you to make decisions. And nobody wants to make decisions about their life because when you make a decision, it means you're cutting off other things and people don't like to be locked in. They want to be like, I got unlimited. But if you have unlimited, then you're going nowhere, right? Like you're just kind of like hoping and maybe going to a direction. So you've got to decide. And that's why it's so uncomfortable. Um, but the way that I do it is I have my my life basically broken down into certain areas. Those areas have general Ideas of you know a vision, a purpose. What what? Why am I interested in say having being healthy? Why am I interested in that? Why do I want to be strong? And a lot of it comes to leading by example, to being a good representative of what my my philosophies are. And like so, it's like you want to be in line. And then in each one of those areas, you either have projects that can be completed, or you have process based things habits, generally habits that will naturally lead you to where you want to go. So like a health, a health world is going to be primarily process or habit driven, right? So you got to work out, you got to eat well. It's not like I eat well one time project completed. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, no, it's going to take a little bit of time. But then other things like your, um, your living environment, which is an area that I have, like what's your living environment like and what can be improved? What could you make better? What could you, so no matter where you are, there's always ways to improve it, to make it a little bit better. And those become projects that you can complete. Um, so it's like, that's really how I do my my planning is it breaks down into different areas and it, it doesn't need to be as complicated as it sounds. It can literally be like, I got my health. Well, what do I want to do with my health? I want to be lean. and Okay, well then go to go to your training consistently. Eat your food. Attach a why to it, so you know why you're doing it, and then that you just look at that on a weekly basis. You have just a simple list, um, but you've
0: defined
1: those areas, and then you can kind of see where, like, how things are falling as you're going.
0: Uh, have you heard of uh, Cameron Harold and uh, his vivid vision?
1: I have the book to read. Um, I've heard yeah. good things about it. I, I uh, that it's it's very it's like you. It's, it sounds c- like
0: what you're talking about.
1: Okay, yeah. So this this is what I'm what I learned. This originally was from Tony Robbins in a course called "Time of Your Life," um, which I would guess is the seminal, like the original one. And I've seen "Living Forward," which is uh, one of the. I don't remember the author. I have it somewhere. Um, And then this Cameron. I know even Two Brain, they have a version of of life. You know, life areas because it's like the thing about it is you can't get any better than quantification of first of all, defining it, quantifying it, and then determining what you want. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't get any simpler than that. So Mm -hmm. no matter who you go to, they should have some version of that if they know what they're talking about, because that's where it distills down to every time.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. And even though those, you know, so you, you set a a goal or a path uh, knowing that sure things might change, Uh, and pivot but at least you're heading towards something that way you can at least you know move uh, rather than just you know kind of circling around i think for a lot of people they just they're they're caught up in such a day-to-day hamster wheel that they don't even take the time to take a step back and you know ask themselves what is it that i actually want like why am i doing these things you know there's that you know parable story of like the the fisherman who on this island and you know the the big businessman comes in and he's like, well, what are you gonna do about your fishing boat? You, know, you should get another fishing boat and you should make a bigger business and you know asking him all these questions about scaling up, scaling up, scaling up, and it's like the end goal is to just retire on an island and just you know set your own schedule, which is what the guy is doing. So right. It's like, right. You know w- w- why are you doing the things you're doing? Maybe you're already doing it. And all you're doing is kind of just like culturally going with the flow, and really, you know, uh, what you want is is actually in your hands. Um, Yeah, it's
1: it's like task driven stuff, generally task level, where you're living. And this is one of the reasons the big challenge with GTD can be that you work on this task based level, so you're always doing tasks, and you're doing tasks, and but if they're just tasks, life becomes more dry. And you can get burnt out over time and it, then it doesn't work. But if it's connected to something bigger, the task, you know that it's connected to something bigger, then it becomes easier to do that thing, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. What, what's an example of deep work that you do? Because I read Deep Work by Cal Newport, loved it, um, you know, agree with a lot of what he says in terms of to get real work done. You know, you got to kind of shut off distractions and everything. So... What's an example of that for people who haven't heard of that or 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 don't know that term, deep work?
1: Well, so like a good like all of my deep work is really built around the business. So professionally, if anybody needs to do deep work, you would do it in your professional role. Now, within that role, within whatever the role is, that's a universe. So this kind of actually works pretty well. It's a universe. Now, in inside that universe, you have areas. Generally, these areas are going to be known if you're an entrepreneur as departments or you know whatever the thing is. If you have a job, then that job still is going to have certain elements within it that are different kinds of hats that you wear. So you might have like this sort of thing that it requires you to be super focused and then you have a bunch of tasks that you have to do, whatever those things are. First of all is knowing that in your professional world, you're going to have sort of different areas. These areas will have projects, and a project is simply something with a defined outcome. So, what do I want? So, if it's it's like I'm working on marketing, or uh, I'm working on a blog, or whatever project fits within one of those areas, that becomes a chunk of deep work. Now, the the degree with which you plan your weeks and you plan all those things. Uh, it's that can get very, very time consuming, or you can you keep it very, very simple. Um, but the foundational concept is that you've you've taken a look at your world, right? Like you've got to be able to pull out and take a look at the world. And then you see this as quantification or assessments out of the world. What's the area that has the lowest score? If you're going to rank everything out of a one to 10, which one has the lowest and or which one's creating the most stress for you? Or which one is the thing that you clearly know that you should be doing more of? Okay, you zoom that one up into your face and then within that world, what is the project? I got to build this thing or I got to do this. I got to write this. And then that becomes the focus block of time where you think about that one thing and you work it all out. You're like now micro into into your this one thing, but you're totally immersed in it and you can actually get it done. That's the whole goal here is to like, let me move things forward. I got to move these things forward. I'm going to do that by having concentrated, dedicated work time. And then the next day I take a look, what else needs to be worked on? Do I still need to work on that thing? You know, whatever, however you do it, but you, you have these focus blocks of time to make measurable progress uh, on whatever you're working on. It can be a personal project too, you know, like house, right so we said living environment and you got to put the, there's a wall that's been blown out and so you got to put on in project time well that would go on your calendar as like you know home work deep work time it's the, the equivalent thing where you now focus on that and get it done you know and that's that's productivity is getting things actually done and getting things done not just to get them done but getting things done that are linked to the most important things in your life and if you can work like that you can't get any more productive, right? So we, we say with Pomodoros, you can't get any more productive than doing the work. But then there's the qualitative aspect of what is the work that you're doing. So mm-hmm. if you have the best, m- most important thing you can possibly do with a time block, those two things together just simply cannot be beaten. It's as good as you can get.
0: Yeah. So an example of that would on a, on one level would be Um, just as a gym owner, it's like, well, I could set a, a Pomodoro 20, what is it? 25 minutes, right. Yeah. To answer emails, um, uh, or to let's say follow up with leads, right? So I'm going to email leads. I'm going to look them up. I'm going to email them. I'm going to blah, blah, blah. But a deeper level of work would be to take that 25 minutes and develop a system or use something like Uplaunch or Gym Lead Machine or, or one of these CRM systems, to create automations that allow that work to be done, even if you're not the one doing it.
1: Yeah. That's the ultimate leverage to work right there. Right. 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 It's because you're, you're building a machine, you're spending your time building a machine that then will always do it for you. And this is the game is being stuck in these things. And, you know, even with one of the good things about Pomodoros, depending, especially for entrepreneurs, but it's like, I got it. If you do have to reach out to leads or you do have to build a lead generation system, that can be very daunting. You can be like, ah, oh, you have all this friction. You don't want to engage with it because last time you engaged with it, it ended up being four hours. And like you got whipped by all the time and all the things. So now you don't want to do it anymore. But when you work in Pomodoros, it's like I'm just going to do one Pomodoro. And it like alleviates you from having to make all sorts of decisions about and and that can be really that it can be really helpful depending on the kind of work and depending on sort of where you are in your you know uh, productivity career or however you you know want to when the way you engage with work.
0: Yeah, got it. When you're in work mode, I imagine that you're shutting off notifications, distractions, and whatnot. Um, how do, how do you how do you do that? What apps do you use? What websites do you use? You know, how what does that look like? Because I'm sure. If, emails are coming in and Slack notifications are coming in and Facebook notifications. And, you know, so what do you do to, to shut all that off?
1: There's a couple of things. The big, the two big ones uh, that are, or three big ones is the phone. It's your emails and it's Facebook, right? So those three are really the ones Slack. uh, We do have an internal Slack, but it's the frequency is a lot lower. And generally it's linked to things that like our, could be important. So I, I sometimes I'll leave the slack open, but the phone, Mm. the, the, uh, the Facebook and the emails now for phone airplane mode, right? That it should be, uh, like a checklist where you, if you're going to work, put on airplane mode, uh, for Facebook, I use something called self-control. It's a, it's a free little app that literally cuts you off from, you can cut, cut off any website that is distracting. Facebook is the one, where I'll go in there and then I'll be spending 15 minutes answering a bunch of questions or doing a bunch of stuff. So I'm like, okay, I can't even can engage. Mm. So I just have, I have only Facebook on that one, but self-control. Uh, and then for, for email, I have G I use Gmail, uh, and there's something called inbox pause mm. where you can pause your inbox. So then nothing comes through. Um, and those are the best tools that I found, uh, just to keep me focused. Cause I mean. I'm basically a crackhead like when it comes to Instagram and it's like I it's not like I don't have discipline it's like I don't even notice myself doing it right it's like you just pick up your phone you're like boop, and you're like what am I doing and you put it down and then two minutes later you're back at looking at it again and this is you know it's such the technology is so good that they've wrapped the wiring so what you got to do is break that pattern by eliminating it so I'll still try to go on Facebook but then I'll get the screen that says oh no it's not there I'm like oh yeah I'm blocked off and then I keep on working you know so because yeah. if I don't do that then it's it, I don't I don't really want to be so disciplined all the time this is why when we go back to environment or structure it's an example of controlling the environment so that you don't have a choice anymore so it's like if you're if you have a problem eating the donuts put the donuts in the toilet or put the donuts in the trash mm-hmm, can mm-hmm, and you're not going to mm-hmm. eat it anymore. Like you, mm-hmm. the, the person that makes that decision basically makes sure the future, you can't go back and make a bad decision. And so mm-hmm. a, a lot of the little strategies that I have are built around that concept where it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm locked off. And since I'm locked off, I'll just keep on doing work, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. When you, so do you have a system for handling email? Like I find for me that that's a big one. Cause I'll, I'll be in there like refreshing or like looking at it to see if another one came in. And like, do you have set times in your day that you're responding to email? Um, you know, what, what does that look like?
1: Yeah. So uh, I use something called OmniFocus, um, which is uh, a task management system, the equivalent to like things three or um, whatever the, whatever system you use. It's just a, basically a task manager. and I have. A, a zap, a zapier connection mm-hmm. that will, when I star an email, it'll put it into my OmniFocus, so it clears it clears my OmniFocus, uh, so I don't ever have to go back in to engage in any work. The when I'm in when I'm in my email, I don't I'm not actually doing anything r- related to email except clearing my email, so it, mm. it it gets clear if there's any sort of action item, it goes to OmniFocus. If it's an archive, it gets archived. If it's uh, trash, it gets trashed. So those are the three options. It gets saved, I might need to check it later, it gets trashed, or it moves into my OmniFocus for processing later. And what I have in that, in that system is when I open it up in OmniFocus, there's a link to the email in that action. So then I can open up and then I can respond to the email one to one to one to one, because I don't want to have be bombarded with all these different things that I have. Um, and so what I do is I clear in the morning I clear my email. Uh, it's part of the the open the open routine that I have. And then um, if I'm good about it, I'll pause my inbox. Uh, but sometimes I'm just, I'll open it. Up. I'm not as disciplined as I used to be with it because it's not as big a, a, a big a problem because I still don't respond. If my email is open, I, if it's something I need to do, get and it gets starred, boom. And I know that's in my OmniFocus. And then at the end of my day, um, I go through and I process so it's like, okay, these items go into these different things. And I have a tag in my OmniFocus called emails. And so then I open up the emails and then I can respond to all the important ones at once. So as opposed to, you know, looking and being distracted and going through as I'm in my email client in the Gmail. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a little, it's a, it is a complicated, little complicated system. But email is one of the biggest problems out there. And it's like, if you can figure out a way to simplify that email problem, uh, you have done wonders for yourself in terms of stress because it's like you got to go searching for something you don't know where something is. You don't want to get rid of it because you don't want to forget about it. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you put it into a folder, but what if I forget to check the folder? You know, so all these these problems, and that's why a personal system is so important is because that personal system of, of having tasks that you can sort of like reassign to yourself that the future you will see, if you can set something up like that, it can be simply reminders on your phone or it can be whatever it is, but it's just like you're giving yourself a little machine to say, hey, don't forget about this thing. And you just get a lot of those moving through time. So then you can just check here, boom, you know, and that's what like an open checklist, why an open checklist is so important is because generally there's a set number of things that everybody has to clear on a daily basis you know like you know you got your emails you know you got your slack you know you got whatever the things are it's if it's my text messages or if someone texts me i don't necessarily want to respond to the text right there i don't want to be taken away and plugged into this new universe this new world and now i'm that's very draining right so if i'm doing that all day long that's that's the feeling of at the end of the day your brain is fried And you feel like you've just been getting pulled from every direction all day long. What you want to do is see that email. If it's a really important email, then obviously you respond to it. But if it's something that can wait, then you capture it. Then when you go through your process, you can see, oh, yeah, respond to that email. And you can do all those like items at once when you're in that mode, when you're in that mode of doing all those things.
0: Got it. Is OmniFocus where you're capturing other things, other to-dos? So if you you just happen to think of a to-do, is that where you're putting it?
1: Yeah, everything. Everything yeah. goes into OmniFocus for me. Um, it's a it's a complicated program. Things works the same way. And it can even, even be a notebook or it could be uh, on your phone reminders. It doesn't matter what it is, but it's that dedicated place. If you have anything, it goes in there, bam, 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 bam. So you always know that's where it is. It's not in five places. It's in mm-hmm. one place. Because if it's mm-hmm. in five places, your subconscious will never trust it. And it's going to be useless, right? It's not going to work.
0: Got it. Do you keep track of, um, like, do you have a whoop or do you keep track of biometrics or, you know, because it seems like you're very systems oriented. You're, you you like data. Um, so I'm just curious if you, you know, still keep track of, like, workout, uh, you know, results, uh, you know, have biometrics, you know. Um, if you do I do track.
1: I do. I have a whoop. Um, but it's like they force you into six month contract. So I just did it for right. six months to test. <laughs> so I've just been testing it. I think my, my it's over, I think next month. Um, but yeah, I use the aura ring. I, I'm, I'm more interested in like test. I like to test things out to see, but I, when it comes to fitness, uh, I'm much more like sort of on the hippie side where I'm looking for natural rhythms in, in line with nature. So, you know, bedtime, sleep times. I don't necessarily like to have something that's emitting EMFs or light onto my skin all night, those sorts of things. Um, so while I do use it, I won't, I won't use it long, long term. Um, and then what was the other question? The, uh, just oh, generally training.
0: gathering data Yeah, yeah training. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I use true coach, um, and I treat myself as a client. So I'm my own client. So I program for myself and I respond to myself, uh, in true coach. And then I just, I, keep, I run uh, prog- basic progressions, strength progressions or whatever, but I try to keep it very low, low, low effort. So I get this little process in place and then it's like robotic. Like I know I got my training. I, I, I don't want to have to be thinking about what I'm doing. I want to just take a look. Oh yeah. Okay. That's what I'm doing. And then I go and do it. And then um, just sort of simplifying the amount of decisions I have to make when it comes to any of that stuff.
0: Yeah, and the classic example of that is uh, Steve Jobs wearing the same thing every day. That way, he doesn't have to make a decision based on that, right? Um, Since the beginning of the year, I've been eating this pretty much the same thing for lunch every day. It's a steak and it's a banana, and it just it it tastes good. I like it. Um, I don't have to think about it, Um, and it's it's been working. So that's like trying to figure out more of those things that I can do to just take decisions out. Right.
1: Right. One less thing. And recently I've been inter- interested in intermittent fasting for years and years and years. Um, and when I was training real hard, it's kind of, it's kind of hard to eat enough when you're intermittent fasting, right? Cause it's like, you got to compress mm-hmm, these things mm-hmm. nowadays though. I've been doing a lot more and it's like, I remove a meal from my day. So I have extra time <laughs> and then mm-hmm. I have the, yep. the, uh, afternoon, to have my meals and stuff. And it, again, it simplifying the amount of decisions you got to make. So now I only got two meals instead yep. of three. Not, 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 that's not the best idea for everybody. Obviously you got to, you got to right, be careful right. with the intermittent fasting, but yeah. <laughs>
0: um, so let, let's talk about the end of the day. So do you have a nighttime routine? Uh, do you have a certain time <clears throat> you need to be in bed? How often do you sleep? Um, what, what does the end of your day look like?
1: So the end of the day is uh, much harder to dial in um, than the morning. The morning, you always have control. Wake up early. No one's going to be messing with you. You got your time. The end of the day, though, as everybody I'm sure knows, things come up. Your your work goes longer. You're doing these different things. So it can be a little harder. Uh, I, I like to do – I just got a sauna maybe – uh, a few weeks ago, asana was on my life, my home environment life plan for a long time, mm-hmm. but I never had the space until we moved to New Mexico. Now I got the space, so I like to now over the past two or three weeks I end my work day with asana, uh, and uh, I've, I've done cold showers and stuff in the morning in the past, um, but these I don't really do it too much anymore. Sometimes I do if I get kind of a wild hair, I'm ex- I'm excited about doing something. But you got these two. Points in your day where like it's an extreme environment, and I just like the idea of putting myself. It could be a workout too, so you can kind of end your day with a workout or something. So I like to have like a clear cut uh, mm-hmm. to the end of my day. So I have my closeout that, that uh, my closeout finishes my my day. It always happens. It takes me forty minutes or so, and it's a, it's a checklist the same way as I do my open. And the reason that closeout is important is because it closes all the loops that are in your head and all the things that, you know, and you can kind of get your day, the, the day for tomorrow ready. And then you can totally unplug from work. So once I've totally unplugged, then it's like sauna to like just be sweating in this hot environment. And then I get out and then now it's like a new day and, and the new day starts at four thirty or five or four depends on the day. Um, but when you go through something kind of extreme, then, you have, it's like you have a new day and then, now it's like, well, what do I want to do with this day? And so it's like, okay, I want to go for a walk. I want to go, we're going to go to dinner. We're going to do, it's a new thing. Um, And so that my evenings are generally planned out like that, where it's like, I ask myself what I want. Maybe it's, we're going to watch some Netflix or we're going to do some mobility or whatever. So it's just sort of a little plan. And then the very end of my night is always my journal. The journal is the uh, one of the fundamental things in life that has helped me gain traction uh, on the just the incredible amount of things you can be distracted by. So every night, um, it takes me five minutes, five at max eight minutes, and it's just you I recap my day like I run through my day from memory. This is a real important sort of mental, Sharpness, where you, it's sometimes really hard. I mean, if you ever try to do it, it's like, damn, what did I do? Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. even remember what I did. So you force yourself to run through at a high level what you did and then just real high level reflections uh, on like how the day felt or like what happened. Um, and I've been doing that for a few years. Super, super beneficial. Most important thing though is that you read it. So at the end of the week, you got to read your week. If you don't do that, uh, then it might be therapeutic to write things down, but you're not going to make any distinctions. You're not going to be able to see like rhythms in your life or see how, Oh, I'm going down this crazy thing again that I, you know, because one time in, in 2016, uh, I, I uh, got, obs- I got up. I'm all, always interested in nutrition. Like I've always loved nutrition, even before fitness, nutrition was like this big world for me. Um, and so I went down this crazy fanatical Whole rabbit hole of raw foods. (laughs) So I was just doing Mm -hmm, raw mm -hmm. foods, like a cleanse of raw foods for all these times. I I think I'd like 10 days of watermelon only. And so I'm like (laughs) hyper in this world. And I come out of the world and the gym is just crap. Every, my training sucks, everything. And it was like, it was, it was in my journal. So I, through that whole time, I was journaling. And so when I came out of that, I read through, I'm like, dude, what the hell's wrong with you? Like, you can see this obsessiveness coming through slowly. Like you get a little exposed to an idea and you can see it growing, growing, growing. And then it's just overtaken your whole life. And that's one of the things that the the journal really helps with is just letting you know that you're a little crazy and that you might need a tool to keep you on track. Because if you don't reread, then you're just kind of going forward, you're never able to reflect on any of that stuff. so the journal is the uh the
0: evening and this is uh paper pen
1: yeah I, well i've done I've done three versions a a book like this this is what I currently use, just a little book like this um but i've done i i do i did day one journal for a, a year and a half um but I missed writing. So I went back to writing and now what I do is I do my weekly review in day one. So it's searchable. So I can search keywords and I can get an idea, but I get the benefit of writing things down on a daily basis. So that was my compromise because I went back and forth a couple times mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I'm like, dude, which one's the better one? I don't know, but it's the easiest way is to summarize my week in a, in a digital form so that if I do have, um, if I do need to search, I can search high level keywords and I can kind of drill down into what I was doing and then go into my physical journal.
0: Got it. I like that combo. Yeah. Um, the sauna, is this, uh, a, cause I, I've been looking into that as well. Is this a standard sauna? Is this a infrared one? Um, you know, I'm, I'm yeah, guessing you did the research as well on, on all of this.
1: Yeah. It's the, inf- it's an infrared. It's the, the low end, Pretty, the inexpensive version, I think it's called the Maxis or something like that. It was like 1500 bucks or 1800 bucks, somewhere around there. Um, And it's a kit that that comes a little two person. It is an infrared, it's low EMF infrared. Uh, It caps at 150 degrees. uh, But what I did is I removed the thermometer and I put it outside and then I insulated the top so I can get it up to like 185 or 190 degrees now. <laughs> so that's nice, – uh, nice. if anybody ever is thinking like I want it to be hotter, you can you can always kind of like tweak it a little bit. I don't – but legally, I got to tell you that I'm not giving advice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like that. Uh, and then how much how much sleep are you getting? Are you aiming for a certain amount every night? Um, are you going to bed at the, at the same time every night, getting up at the same time?
1: Yeah, so um, – generally before nine for bed and then up before six. So sort of in that, in that realm, sometimes I go later, obviously. Uh, but I think I, I probably get seven and a half hours or eight hours. I just, I used to sleep a lot more. Uh, but I think just now with the the amount of training that I do and stuff, I just don't need as much sleep as I used to. Um, so it's generally seven to eight hours. Uh, but Nighttime wearing uh, orange glasses well as, as lame and weird looking as those are. They, it really does work. They really and, work. And cu- yeah. Oh, big time! Yeah, C- cut out the light, cut out the stuff, uh, and then some sort of pre-bed, either a tea or magnesium kind of mix mixes up. You know, but it's some sort of like a little, just a a ritual of like this thing is happening and bedtime is coming, and it's just like kind of train your body a little bit Uh, but yeah sleep is one of the most important things Um, and maximizing your sleep pitch black room these are I mean all the fundamentals most people probably know all this stuff Uh, but those fundamentals again looking back at these disciplines you like sleep is like the best anabolic there is and if unless you're getting sleep like what the hell are you doing if you're trying to take all these supplements sleep is going to be where you make the big the big money (laughs)
0: Yeah, to me, you know, one of the benefits of WHOOP is the awareness around sleep and how you could be in bed for eight hours. But when you look at your sleep data, it, it might show that you've only, you know, slept for seven hours because a bunch of it was light sleep or even you were awake without even realizing it. Um, right. So that to me was was really interesting. Yeah, it's huge. Um, do, you, do you know your Enneagram? Have you heard of Enneagram? Five. You're five? Yeah. yeah. That makes sense based on everything we're talking about.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: i am ai am a s I'm a seven primarily, but five is a very close second. Um so
1: I think I'm I think that, my second is three. So it's like yeah. the achiever.
0: The achiever. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yep. Yeah. You're the you're the geeky atri- achiever.
1: Yeah. Right, right, exactly. You're gonna geek <laughs> yeah, out but... on anything,
0: but yeah. Totally. <laughs> I love it. Um just two more questions. Uh what because I don't think I asked you the last time. What book would you recommend uh, most people read?
1: Um, and is there like the uh, what's the application? So like what you're you're at a party
0: h- and um, you know you you just you you think everybody you, either you th- you think everybody should read it, so you're going to put it in a high school curriculum, or um, you know, so it's not towards business owners, it's not towards athletes, it's it's just you know something that you either loved and you think most people would love uh, for the pure joy of it, or you think whatever that message is, everybody should hear it.
1: I mean, I, I, I have as, as cliche as it would be, I would have to go with like the fundamental stoic text of meditations, right? The, just the very basic, I mean, there's been so much stuff written about stoicism, but there aren't, I don't think out of all the people that are obsessed with stoicism, I'm not sure how many people have actually read meditations. And I think that's the just under, understanding the fundamental philosophy and realizing that Marcus Aurelius was an emperor who was literally the most powerful dude in the world, could do mm-hmm. anything that he wanted to do, basically. Like he was all powerful. And in his, ta- in his spare time, he wrote meditations while he was at war. So basically at night through campaigns, he was writing meditations. And so it's like, he's dealing with, he has unlimited power and he's dealing with the absolute worst of humanity in war, right? So you're just in war all the time, not away from home on these long things. And so just those, that sort of context really helps with that book um, and getting a, a good translation. I'm not sure. I'm not, I can't remember the, there's, it's with a red cover, like a crow on the red cover Um, that's the, the, the book that's the easiest translation. So I would say that that's probably my, my recommendation, not for everybody, but, um, definitely from a fundamental standpoint, philosophically is just, you know, you can't beat it.
0: Yeah. I feel like a lot of people nowadays are reading like Ryan Holiday stuff about stoicism. And so they, that is their interpretation of it, but. Yeah to go and, to the original. And the thing
1: the, the thing about that is the reason it is is cuz Ryan Holiday's a smart dude that's interpreting that stuff into modern concepts mm-hmm. and language but mm-hmm. it, it that the meditations is still the source and to me I like the source of things like what's cuz if you can get knowledgeable about the source then you can help you know it's going to help you but you then you can help other people too just sort of relax on on You know, life basically,
0: (laughs) yeah. Um, that one you're talking about might be Alice Zimmerman. Let me see. Um, just in case people are listening and want to uh look it up, but
1: it was uh, let's see, I have it here. Um, Gregory Hayes is the translator, yeah. Gregory Hayes,
0: cool. Um, and then last question, what's on your bucket list? So, I mean, we talked about kind of life goals and, and visions and what you want for your life, but what, what are some things, one or two things that you're like, by the time I, I kick the bucket, I want to do this?
1: Um, well, a big one is uh, learning to fly a plane. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like just a Cessna, simple Cessna sort of setup. This is... Um, I, I, I have some preliminary steps like going for a ride to see if I like it first, you know? So, but it's that, that sort of thing. I just bought a mountain bike um, which is something that's kind of connected to, I used to ride bikes when I was a kid, like uh, BMX, like racing around and doing tricks and jumping off stairs and all sorts of stuff. So reconnecting to some of that stuff uh, will be fun. That's been a, a long term thing for me. Um, and then like business wise, uh, level method to 100 million that's like the big goal uh, in the next in 10 years. so that's like uh, from a company standpoint um, and then I have little you know three five year goals like uh, t- I, one of them is like buy my dad a house you know those sorts mm-hmm. of things where it's like it'd be good to have the means to pretty much be able to do whatever you want. Uh, and mm-hmm. if it, it, to do that you've got to make money. To to make money, you've got to make yourself extremely valuable. How do you do that? And that's where like all the planning and the productivity and all that sort of stuff comes into place. Because without those elements, how do you ever expect to do these other things? How, you know, it's like if, if it's just luck, you're you're playing a, a dangerous game because there's no guarantees. But if you figure out the structures and then you set them in place and you do them, then you can you can definitely reach your goals.
0: I love it. Yeah, there's to me there were so many takeaways. Um, So I mean, I appreciate your time, and as a somewhat fellow five, um, you know we could probably geek out on a lot of this stuff. But um, I want to respect your time. Uh, Where can people find uh, more about you, follow you, um, if they want to learn more about what you're doing and what you're up to?
1: The level method is like the big thing that we we always do. Obviously, I have a personal Instagram that I'm on. Uh, you know, I'm not like taking it very seriously. I have like I think seven hundred followers or something like that. Uh, but it's Nathan at Nathan Holiday, so you can check that out. I do just very just, you know, posts about whatever I'm doing. Uh and then email at Nathan at levelmethod.com if anybody wants to get in touch.
0: Yeah, we love the level method. We're uh currently we're we we went the route of spreading out our um assessments. So yesterday we had like 20 plus people level up on their deadlift today. People are leveling up on uh, upper body pull. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's creating some really powerful moments, which is, yeah, that's very cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: All right, Nathan, appreciate your time.
1: Yeah, man. Thanks for having me, man.
0: Thanks.